Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, my friends. Hope you had a good night's sleep and that you're all ready to go with another section of Jeremiah chapter number 31. It's quickly becoming my favorite chapter because we just see over and over again the goodness, mercy, grace, long-suffering, everlasting love of our Lord. And we talked a little bit yesterday about what true repentance looks like. And true, true repentance is not being sorry because you got caught or being sorry because bad things happen because of your sin. It's not regretting the circumstances or the consequences would be a better word. But true repentance is when we realize that our sin is against a holy God and we have impinged upon that relationship and we are sorry uh, for that. And Lord, I now recognize that you have loved me all along. And even the yoke that you put upon me that was so uncomfortable, and even the way circumstantially you had to turn me that was so against my will, Lord, it was all part of the way that you drew me. It was all part of that loving kindness that drew me. The love, it was the expression of love in all of it. And Lord, now that I look back on my attitude, when I look back at the way that I approached you or didn't approach you, as the way I look back at my the way that I disesteemed your law and just went my own headstrong way, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed at my behavior. I'm ashamed at my lack of priority. I'm ashamed at my adulterous heart. I'm ashamed at, that's Ephraim. So God is recording for us the repentance that God's people one day will have, the, the nation of Israel, when they will have recognized what they have done, when they will have recognized who Jesus is as their Messiah, when they will have come to their senses, their will, true repentance will then be rendered. How will God respond to that? How does God respond to any repentant, truly repentant heart? Look at verse number 20. We'll answer that question. Is Ephraim my dear son? This is a rhetorical question the Lord is asking. Is Ephraim, my dear son, is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith the Lord. What a statement. It's because sometimes in our in God's punishments in our life, I don't like the word punishment, but the word in God's chastisements in our life, sometimes we feel as if God has left us. Sometimes we feel as if God has forsaken us. And what the Lord says as he listens to the true and sincere repentance of Ephraim, of his people, he says, are you my son? Aren't you my pleasant child? And the answer is yes. Yes, I've always loved you. It's like a, a rebellious teenager who runs away from home 
because mom and dad have put some rules down and no, you won't hang out with those friends and you will be in by curfew and you're going to get your homework done and you will not watch that in this home and how dare you use that language and all the things that good parents do because they love their children. I'm leaving. I can't take it. I'm leaving this house. Does that mean that mom and dad don't love? It didn't seem loving when they yelled. It didn't seem loving when they put those rules down. But all of it was love. All of it was love. And so the rhetorical question is, is this my dear son? Of course. Is this my pleasant child? Of course. And then watch what the Lord says. Uh, I do earnestly remember him still. I've not forgotten him. He's always been in my mind. Like that father in Luke chapter 15, I've always been standing at the end of the road waiting for this day. Look at verse number 20. Therefore, my bowels, now that we would say today, my heart, my inward affections, therefore, my heart is troubled for him. God said, I've had a troubled heart. I don't want him to go this way. I don't want him to spend all in the faraway country. I don't want him because I know that what he's doing is obviously going to sully my glory in the minds and hearts of others. But but beyond that, it's it's going to hurt him. I'm watching my son engage in self-destructive behavior. That's hard for any parent. And the Lord, who's the ultimate parent, the ultimate good father says, this troubles my heart. Well, what what great language for us to understand the feelings, the thoughts that God has toward us. I will surely have mercy upon him. Of course, I'm going to forgive him. Of course, I'm going to have mercy on him. Of course, I'm not going to give him what he justly deserves. I see his repentance. This is what I've, uh, I've longed for. This is the day that every father celebrates. That's the response of the Lord. Verse number, kill the fatted calf, right? This, this, that this son that was dead is now alive. That's the response of the father. And I, I love verse number 21. When I studied this passage a few days ago, I just, this verse really just stood out to me. I, I love the language of it. Look at, look at verse 21. Set thee up waymarks. What, what's a waymark? It's a signpost. Have you ever been to a place where it has a collection of arrows and it says, this city is that far away and there's an arrow pointing that way and this road leads to that city 21 miles away or whatever? That's the point. The point is these are way marks. These are sign marks like we deal with every day. You know, that's the exit sign. That's the route number. That's where I can get off and go this way. So there's signposts. So set up signposts. Make the high heaps, so that we, like landmarks, like putting a, a pile of stones to know, make a left there. It's interesting to me. When I was uh, in Bible college many, many years ago, many, 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 many years ago, one of my jobs, I had my own little business, was to measure carpet for carpet stores. So my job was to go to the carpet store, call up all the people that had purchased carpet that needed to have their homes measured so that they could install the right amount of carpet. I would go out to the homes and measure the rooms and draw the schematics. 
So this is before Waze. This is before Google Maps. This is before cell phones. This is way back. I was driving a horse and buggy. Well, it wasn't that old, but you know what I'm talking about. So I would have to actually call these people on a landline and I'd call them up and say, hey, this is Kurt from Carpetland USA. I'm coming out to measure your carpet. I'll be there today between one o'clock and five o'clock. Can you please give me some general directions to your house? And it was interesting because generally, and this is not a, a chauvinistic comment, it's just an observation, but generally men would give me directions according to signposts and directions. So go down Interstate 80 to exit number 130, you'll go east on such and such route, then you'll go north when you see your road... You know, 450 east and you'll go 2.7 miles. My house will be on the right side. So they operate on distances and signposts generally. Women, on the other hand, and again, this is not, I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush. I guess maybe I am. But women generally would give directions by landmarks. Uh, how do I get to my house? Hmm. Well, you're going to be going down the road when you get off the exit by that big red barn. You know the big red barn? Get off that exit. And then you're going to go, um, ah, you're going to go by this big white farmhouse. You can't miss it. Can't miss it. When people say you can't miss it, trust me, you're going to miss it. And then make a left at the big white farmhouse and you'll go down a ways. Um, you'll go across a bridge. What are they doing? They're giving me directions by landmarks. And I love the fact that here in Jeremiah chapter 31, the Lord says, hey, when you come back to me, set up the signposts, set up the landmarks, make it obvious this is the way to come back. I love it. Verse number 21, set thee up waymarks, make thee high heaps, set thine heart toward the highway. That sounds like a sermon title. I've got to preach a message from this passage. Set thine heart toward the highway. What highway? The highway that leads back to Jerusalem. The highway that leads back to God. What is God saying? God's saying, I, I hear your repentance. I hear your heart. I hear your sorrow over your sin. I, I, I hear your, your desperate plea. I hear your shame for who you are and the decisions you've made. I love you. You're my dear son. I, 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 my heart's been hurting for you. I, I want you to come home. And so find the, find the, the follow the signs, F follow the, follow the, the road marks, the, 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 the landmarks. Put your heart, set your heart to get on that road. Come back, come back on the highway to, toward me. Isn't that, isn't that great? Set thine heart, the Bible says, toward the highway, even the way which thou wentest. You know the road. You've been on that road before. It's been a long time since you came to me. It's been a long time since we fellowship. It's been a long time since you had a sweet time alone with me. But you know the road. Okay, get back on that familiar road. Get back, follow that, those old signposts. Uh, follow those old landmarks. Get back on that highway, the way that you used to go. Okay, that's what backsliding is. Get back, uh, take a U-turn. Follow the way back to me. So for Ephraim, the, the northern kingdom, even in Jeremiah's day, it had been hundreds of years. But think about this. If this is a prophecy of the, the end times, 
than this has been thousands of years. But you know the way back to me. Come on back. There's room in my house for you. Verse number 21, turn again, O virgin of Israel, turn again to these thy cities. All that I have belongs to you. This land is your land. I've given it to you. I've got a place for you. I've got a possession for you. I've got a position for you. Come on back. Verse number 22, how long wilt thou go about? How long are you going to keep on doing your thing? O thou backsliding daughter, for the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall compass or protect a man. So think about it. The, 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 the way that Israel was being made fun of in these days was like she was a woman that was weak, that Babylon could take and ravage and destroy and take and, and do with her what, she, what he wanted. But the Bible says, such will be the nature of my future kingdom and the goodness and protection I will provide. It'll be as if a woman will protect the man. In other words, there'll be no need for security. There'll be no need for safety. It'll be the exact opposite of what you're in right now, where might makes right and big nations and strong nations rule. No, all of that will go away because I will exhibit true and and ultimate rule, and you'll be in a place of complete safety with me. We're going to stop there in verse number 22. And we'll come back to verse number 23 next time. And then the next time, after the next time, we're going to get to some really, really familiar verses about the new covenant. Can't wait to get there. Until then, have a great day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.